welcome to Good Boys Gone Bland, Season 3, Episode 9, Pet Cemetery 2. I'm Denali. I'm Brian. I'm Jace. And welcome, see, oh God, Episode 9 already. We are approaching the end of our doghouse season. We've already watched nine dog movies. I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't seem like it's been nine episodes to me. I feel like we're just getting started. Uh, especially in dog movies because they don't share like a common actor you know it, it, it's new content every single week so it doesn't drag on as long it's maybe like, that's what it is yeah. dog years too you know seven dog movies is one regular movie what yeah. oh is <laughs> that's how much dramatic content's in one yeah. <laughs> one dog movie yeah. except for yeah. this week yeah i aged seven dog years yeah this <laughs> This is the most dramatic departure I think we've taken in a season uh, as far as tone. Um, we've watched, I think, pretty much all kids movies. Yeah. I want to say throughout all of our dog season. And this is the first definitely not a kids movie. Definitely not even some adults. Yes. Uh, and this is a, this is probably the best time to say this early and while we're on topic. But um, if you are a fan of our movies or our the movies we watch and you are thinking about watching the movies uh, uh, don't do not watch do, don't you don't feel pressure to watch this movie please <laughs> i don't, don't even know to, how no. to say this correctly but like wow uh we'll talk about this a lot more later but please if you are at the least bit you know traumatizable do not watch pet cemetery <laughs> 2 there is some troubling content in the movie. Ryan is begging you to not watch this movie. Uh, <laughs> proceed with caution uh, yes. with that cemetery. Yeah, there we too. go. Proceed um, with caution. With parental supervision required. Required. And it, required. Yeah. So even if I you're a 27-year-old adult, please call, call your, your mom. <laughs> well, this is something I want to talk about, too. And I felt like I needed to call my mommy because... Shortly after I watched this movie, meaning three hours, I had a horrific nightmare. Oh, <laughs> indeed. About the movie? Oh, well, I think fueled by the movie. Mm. And I think Jace mentioned something about him having a weird dream as well. Yeah. But Denali, how were your dreams last night? Because I know you watched the movie yesterday. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, you know, I generally have nightmares just in general. Um, cause I'm just an anxious person. So I, I just kind of, you know, I think it was pretty baseline. Um, you know, dog being ripped apart by dogs, uh, oh. dogs visiting me in my sleep, uh, telling me they're going to fucking stab me. You know, it's just, uh, regular, <laughs> regular dreams with the dog theme. <laughs> Did you see any like women completely naked with wolf heads? Uh, I saw a, a naked dog with a woman head. Oh, <laughs> so just a dog. That's, that's pretty spooky. <laughs> uh, a cloth, yeah. This this movie did have a lot of nightmare sequences. Um, I think that kind of fuels some of it. Like I didn't really, I didn't really have any any really nightmares to speak of this movie, which surprised me. Normally, after I watch uh, a horror movie, I am yes, I know that days. you are sensitive yes, to I'm, this I'm, phenomenon. I'm very sensitive to horror movies. Um, this one, I think it was so, I think, bad and ridiculous that I think my brain dissociated a little bit and I was able to put some distance, which was helpful <laughs> in a movie like this. Well, maybe for me, I, I've i seen a lot of horror movies. I watch them, I watch, you know, dozens a year. And I thought that this was one of the craziest ones I've ever seen. Oh, yes. So for me, there was not a lot of logic to the violence in this movie. And I think that's exactly what dreams thrive off of. You know, 
like if your dream just has these like yeah. if your brain has these images like horrific images floating around in it like that's feel for nightmares but if it's a horror movie with a plot and you can kind of thread the needle between the events i think maybe there's less for your brain to go on dream lines i think so i think that it, we use the term fever dream a lot when we describe some of these movies this was very fever dream like yes this I was the equivalent in my life or at least in the dog season of the scene in All Dogs Go to Heaven where Charlie B. Barkin gets transported to literal hell. Literal hell. Has to fight the literal dog Double. devil. Yes. Uh, I'm happy to be back. From yeah. Dog yeah. Devil. <laughs> we we've trudged we've trudged the bottom in terms I don't know if in terms of quality, that's yet to be said. Um, but in terms of bad vibes, I think this is the worst vibes I think we've had all season. Um now I have worse. a question. Yes. Once again, would you rewatch this movie mm. before okay. you rewatched Air Bud Spikes Back? No way, dude. I actually I have some comments to make about Air Bud Spikes Back now um, after watching this one. OK, I would I think choose Air this movie. Yeah, I would choose, choose this movie. movie. Yeah, I would also choose this movie. For me, Airbud has this weird, like, comforting blanket. It's like your, uh, you know, like your fluffy anime blanket you're really ashamed of, but it gives you a lot of comfort. You wrap yourself in it while you watch TV. Um, that's what Airbud's like for me. You know that blanket that everyone has, guys? Yeah. Everyone yeah. has that no sure. one... I, w I want to... This is real proof to our listeners that people can change because uh, if they listen yeah. to last week's episode, they know that you viciously shit on the five dogs that played viciously. Airbud. <laughs> and now you're talking about <laughs> their comfort blanket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where my brain. That's, went. Where, I, I, that's where pet cemetery two has taken us. We now fully appreciate the dogs yeah. and the work they put in to Airbud spikes back. That's yeah, yeah. Wrote, okay. Yeah. However, <laughs> watching this movie i understand why they had five different dogs do the meager stunts in airbud fox because you should not subject dogs to what the dogs in this movie went through yes yeah. like were, i'm yeah. pretty sure there were not special effects making those dogs limp away from the stunts yeah i was thinking about that throughout the movie um i think they they did use a lot of dog puppets too yeah, yeah. with this one and that was that was really off-putting um before we get into the movie um i wanted to gauge your guys's feelings about um the dog season so far you know is it going bland for you guys are you guys excited about coming to an end with only one movie left um or are you guys feeling another dog season <laughs> um, i honestly think that this season has been more dynamic than our other seasons because often an actor will get typecast. Right. But how do you typecast an entire species of animal, you know? Right. And I think that coming in, I thought dog movies would all be the same. It'd all be about a family finding a foster dog and taking it to life, and the dog causes trouble, and the, the family ends up to love the dog in the end. That's basically Airbud. Mm -hmm. But the other movies have been wild. Absolutely and, buck wild. Uh, especially <laughs> the last couple of weeks. And I think uh, it, it would be nice to get back to the actor trope because that's just such a funny idea. Mm -hmm. But I liked Dog Season. It's a refreshing take. You know, it's a refreshing gulp of air. Being yeah. 
being able to look back and watching 10 wildly different dog movies and trying to rate them on their doginess. Cool. <laughs> um, I think I'm ready to... I'm a weird mixture of not ready to move on and ready to move on. You saying this is episode 9 is blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. Like... One more, and then it's oh, we have to get complete. We have to completely subject ourselves to an entirely new theme. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm getting the same feeling as I do in episode nine and our other two seasons, where it's almost like this sense of fear, where I'm I'm getting comfortable with the season, and I'm looking forward to the next dose of dog movie, movie I'm gonna yeah. get. Same with the next dose of Ben or Matt. Um, and now I'm like, oh shit, like I gotta change my whole fucking lifestyle now, my whole mindset for the next ten weeks. Um, and, and like you, Jace, you know, I appreciated my time with the dogs, um, but maybe it's time. Maybe it is time to move out of the doghouse after this, this one more excursion we're about to go on. I bet you we have audience members who probably are probably like, please God, stop watching dog movies. If that's, if that's you, thank you for sticking with us and listening to episode nine. And yeah, along those same lines, um, I have this kind of phenomenon in my life where when I watch a certain type of content for a long time, an actor or a character from that content will become my inner monologue. Like if I watch a a series or something, the main character's voice will sometimes appear in my brain and talk to me. Yes. (laughs) Speaking my thoughts, not like a schizophrenic thing. Right, right. And so during Ben Affleck's season, I had this kind of like, you know, every man's Boston, Boston guy talking to me about lobsters and, you know, wicked You can buy a fucking lobster roll. You can have a fucking lobster with a chop, dip it in and the chowder. Matt McConaughey's season, I had some guy trying to sell me weed, you know, but then he would show up in like, in a suit and like, hit on my wife, you know? <laughs> but now, for the last nine weeks, it's just been an indecipherable barking in my brain. And I'm finally ready to move on. Like, I can finally have some peace at work. You know, I'm not typing like, bark, bark, into the paper anymore. <laughs> the barking so won't you... stop. Someone please help me. <laughs> I got fired like six weeks ago, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> stop barking at the plaintiffs. It's been an interesting experience because I don't, I've never owned a dog. I've never had a dog in the house that I live in. Um, you and having have a cat would like come out of the wall. Yeah, I, I had a, I had a couple mystical cats who had the same mystical properties that normal house cats do, where they just appear and stare at you while you're taking a shit. And I, I having this proximity to dogs like this has been such a bizarre experience for me. Um, tonally, it's just these movies are are just absolutely wild. Like I don't understand <laughs> why this genre exists. And I really feel like this could be a whole podcast in and of itself. There is enough dog movies out there to examine and to to plunge into why the fuck are we making so many of these movies and who is watching them? And who's funding them? Yeah. Duh. Who's dog writing lovers. them? There's, there's the, I think there's a couple of people who wrote like most of the Airbud movies and things like that. Like, and there's one person, I think, who wrote almost every one of the funny animal sports movies. But like, what are they up to? Can we get them as a guest? Yeah, please. <laughs> that, like, you... If we were an entire podcast based on that, that would be a cool. That'd be a cool goal. Animal sports movies. Yes. If you've written a dog movie, please email us. Um, you guys feel like the wheel of chaos is feeding us more chaotic dog movies over time? Because I think yeah. you're feeding the wheel of chaos chaotic dog movies. <laughs> Maybe, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps it is being filled with more chaotic content as time goes on. 
Um, I'm scared of what's going to come after this. We're going to talk about what we just went through. But I, I don't know if there is a dog movie out there that's more fucked up than what we watched. And if there is, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I'm um, at some point, at some critical point when somebody makes one of these dog movies, they have to have had enough experience working with dogs or understanding them that they have to a-okay specific mm. scenes for how a dog dog will react like in this movie we got puppets because of you know chucking bloody dogs but i'm just mystified that we can go from like this movie to the puppets to the talking dogs and snow dogs (laughs) there's just real no no real consistency there's only like 10 years between them yeah what would i do with a dog in my movie would i want my dog to talk i might have to go with like a scooby-doo type movie if i was gonna write one i think old cgi fuck Uh, no i don't want well that's the thing is you don't i don't want a normal dog around set because that's like a a huge liability oh yeah yep yeah dog stars are divas too um constantly asking for the best puppy chow i would want a kind of like a jar jar binks style animatronic um dog person kind of like you know have like a green suit you know, with a bunch of white balls on them, just kind of crawl around and go woof woof and say quippy lines. I think that's my ideal if I was working with a dog. Uh, okay, so this movie, and I want to get your thoughts on this, it came out way later than I expected it to be. When I think of, like, stupid, gory, you know, kind of, like, body horror, shock horror movies, I think of the 80s. Right. This was made, like, you know, in the mid-90s or early 90s? 1992. Yeah, so that's, I mean, not a lot of time between that and our normal family dog movies. Were there not, like, a lot of other dog movies before this? I know there was probably Cujo was before this. Right. Um, There was Milo and Otis before this. But I think you have a point, and that might be why this was so critically panned. This is coming out of the 80s, where I think people are getting tired of this type of movie where you have something that's so trying to be shocking this one this is the type the type of movie where they want like 14 year olds who are seeing this movie to talk about how fucked up it is and hype it up to their friends and be like oh man this is the goriest most fucked up shit you ever seen man you gotta see this movie you know um and i think it totally falls flat for that reason because there's been so many movies that do that already and it's just not executed well um do you guys want to just talk about this movie? Because I can get into the synopsis if we're. Well, and that's kind of the funny I think thing. A lot is to talk like, about. I don't want to, to talk about anything else. Like normally we have a bit here for like 20, 30 minutes before we start talking about the movie. But yeah, gosh dang, I can't get this movie out of my head. Yeah. Well, let's exercise this demon, Ryan. Just like the ceremony we did for McConaughey to remove the McConaughey voice from mm-hmm. inside my mind. Uh, we need to talk it out, talk about this movie, and expel it from our bowels. If you guys are ready, I can go over the synopsis, because I believe it is my week this week. Or Pet Cemetery 2. Um, mind you, before we get... Have you guys seen Pet Cemetery 1? I I was I went in cold. I haven't seen no. it. This is my it. third Pet Cemetery rendition. You've seen, like, the remake of Pet... You know, I saw the original. Or, you know. I've seen the remake. Okay. And I've seen this movie. Wow. Briefly, how does this hold up between the other two? Oh, Jesus Christ. Way better. (laughs) Way better. Look at his reaction. So the difference, I guess, is that I went into Pet Cemetery, the original one, um, with the same sort of mysticality that I normally enter 80s horror movies with. Like, I don't exactly know what the plot is, but I have a kind of a good idea. Like, it's literally about a cemetery for pets, so something weird is going to happen. But... 
there's a couple twists and turns along the way in the original and the premise isn't spelled out for you like the premise is something that you have to kind of uncover the idea that spoilers the idea that there's a cemetery that can bring things back to life Mm -hmm. and uh that's like really deep in the first movie if i remember things or at least the main character doesn't like believe in it for a long time really okay but like in this movie that's totally it's kind of almost assumed that you've seen the first one right so they're just willy-nilly talking about this like like really cool premise that is actually kind of scary they're just like the kids are like oh there's a cemetery over there bring me back in life okay you want to go get Wahlburger? <laughs> and that really yeah. kind of okay. just popped the balloon gotcha okay so that's, compared that's to the original yeah. like i really actually i really like the original and i the remake was not bad either hmm. huh. okay um well i might i i'm planning on watching those i was just curious to kind of t- have your take on that um, yeah, I would actually well, recommend the remake for people who are somewhat new to the idea or have maybe haven't seen a Pet Cemetery movie before. Oh, shit. Um, it's okay. not terrific, but it's a standard horror movie remake. It's not better than a normal remake. Okay, shit. All right. I might I might fucking watch that. Well, um, Pet Cemetery 2 of 1992 um, stars Edward Furlong of uh, Terminator 2 fame. <laughs> um, he, he plays oh. Jeff. Yeah, it was, I, I was wondering where I, I recognized him from. Yeah, mm. um, he plays Jeff Matthews. Uh, him and his dad moved to a small town in May, Maine after his mother's tragic and gruesome death. His mother was a famous actress. He saw her die. It was really fucked up and comically horrible. <laughs> um, and then uh, in this town that they move into, we are introduced to Jeff's new friend, Drew, and his abusive stepfather slash town sheriff, Gus, played by Clancy Brown, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Mr. Krabs. Um, one night, Gus shoots and kills Drew's dog, Zowie, and Drew asks Jeff to help him bury the dog in the Native American burial ground. Rumor has it that whoever is buried in this pet cemetery will rise from the dead. And of course, uh, it wouldn't be a movie unless it worked. Uh, Zoe is revived. However, something is quite uh, not quite right with this dog. Um, hijinks. Something isn't right. <laughs> Something isn't right with this dog. Everything isn't uh, right. Really hungry. Uh, hijinks ensue, leading to many gory deaths and multiple revivals in the pet cemetery. Um, I'll leave it at that for now. I think we can kind of walk this thing up. Um, this movie was fucking wild. Like That's Ryan, a good said, synopsis. Uh, thank you, Ryan. I uh, introduced the concept early, mm-hmm. and then. I feel like the last 25%, they just take that like gear shifter and then just slam it into the highest goddamn gear. <laughs> and it goes completely off the rails. It's like a hidden totally gear space. that isn't on the gear chart on the shift knob. Yes. I'm like, oh, well, maybe there's a seventh gear? And they try it <laughs> and they work. I'm like, oh, and they drop the clutch. <laughs> uh, and it just takes off. Like, it's, it, the, I thought this movie would have a normal, sensible pacing structure. Right. No. It did not. It's like an airplane going off of a... <laughs> Going off a runway that's on the end of a cliff, like it has to go 100 miles an hour, or there's no plan B. Yeah, it kind of plods a little bit in the beginning. I, I found, um, and then once the, the once the uh, things are set into motion, it just goes absolutely wild. Um, we can start with kind of the intro, where you know you see the kid's mom. Um, she's an actress in the movie. I thought it was kind of clever how they kind of set it up, and like the way she her death scene was 
I, I actually like I, th- I found it hilarious because it was so ridiculous. Yeah, because she basically gets electrocuted. Right. And she's touching a metal grate in like this scene. And the actress, I I feel bad because I'm sure the director asked her to do this. She's like grabbing the grate and just like jerking around for like two minutes. She's like. long time to where you think that they're like recycling footage. <laughs> And the kid's like, Mom! And then it like cuts again. Everybody is like running around her and not stopping it. There would have been just fucking unplug it, please. There were so many people standing in that water. Yeah. Yeah. Like kill count, the start of the movie probably was at least five minimum. Yeah. And then her face hits the grate, and then like later they pull her face off and it like comes off on the yeah, grate. That was like, oh, that look was how fucked up this movie this is. Yeah. This so is what this, this movie's gonna be like. This movie, right from the get-go, reminds me of like those metal bands that like the death metal bands who have right. like really, really grotesque names for no reason. Ralphus. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. And so they at first you're kind of like, I don't really want to listen to this. Like the music, I'm sure it's just like every other music. But why do they try one up each other on the names? Like right. this, this that was this movie, but with the actual things they showed on screen. Like at first, okay, there's this lady who gets electrocuted, and it's really gruesome, and her face like melts to the bar. Wow, that's bonkers. I wonder how long it'll take until something that gruesome happens again. Not long. And (laughs) And that's like the least gruesome thing in the movie. Yeah, like they kept it like smooth and mild for (laughs) the opening scene. Oh, man, this movie was bonkers. Like, I don't like gory horror movies in the way that I don't like torture porn movies. Like there's a whole subgenre of horror that people consider torture porn and i don't like those movies and whenever i'm talking to someone who isn't a horror fan and i say yeah i like horror movies they're like oh how can you watch all those like torture movies and in a way that reminds me of like metal music like i just mentioned when if someone is like oh hey i like metal music but can you like those really grotesque bands it's like well, that's not really what all metal music is like, you know. <laughs> Actually, I listen to Death Heaven, which has a lot of critical acclaim. Yeah. Uh, so in, in a way, this movie was towing the line between torture movies and normal yeah. movies because it was just about like people dying in like really strange ways. It's almost like Final Destination. Yeah, I um, I was thinking the same thing. Once I saw that first death, I was like, here we go, folks. This is gonna because if that's their their intro, they're setting the tone. I felt like this movie, and to speak of something slightly positive about this movie, it was very Stephen King, and I noticed this in the beginning. Um, you know, people really like the Stranger Things aesthetic, um, where you have kids on bicycles running through a fall day, and like somewhere in the middle of nowhere town, you've got really cynical characters. Pretty much everyone who's an adult is kind of a bastard, with the exception of the main character's dad, who just seems like a poor communicator. Um, but a lot of sadists, bullies who are just bullies. so horrible that it's just insane. Look, just, it's a very, the bullies. Yeah, the bullies in this one. I actually want to say some positive things about the bullies in this movie. <laughs> Their fashion. Um, 
Yeah, great fashion. <laughs> Not their fashion. Dude, their fashion was great, dude. The scarves, the tasteful layering, the cross earring. I was like, this bully's dripping, dude. Like, yeah. I don't know what like what his deal is, but he's got a great sense of Straight taste. out of like the Lost Boys. Yeah. Um but okay, g- g- follow me here. In a movie where you want to you know, describe the bullies being super evil. Uh, there's a scene in this movie where the bullies steal a kitten that the uh, main character has. Mm-hmm. And they, they steal the kitten and they ride away on the bikes. And they attempt to tell the kid that the, ki- the kitten died and it's now in the pet cemetery. But we get there and the, the cat's actually fine. They didn't actually harm the cat. At least not physically, maybe psychologically. Yeah. And so that I was like, oh. I was expecting the cat to have died in the horribly gruesome way that the bully described to us, by the way. (laughs) And then the bully gets in a fight with the main character. Well, the bully gets sucker punched. (laughs) Well, right. So the the bullies, there's like five of them around this, the one main character, and you expect the worst. And the main bully gets sucker punched and then proceeds to have a completely fair fight with the main character <laughs> like i really like that scene he they, they get in a fight it's one-on-one the other bullies don't step in and like you know just stomp the kid's head in and uh the bully ends up winning and he gets the main character down hits him on the ground and uh gets up and like, like stops after it's clear that he's won so you're applauding his like restraint as a bully he, he could yeah. have gone so much worse especially for stephen he was, king he he got into some hijinks but he was technically defending himself he got sucker yeah. punched and his friends didn't viciously beat the shit out of the kid that sucker punched him. That's all his fucking cat and that's made some, fun of his dead mom. Like that's totally okay <laughs> from a bully perspective. Like the, if you're a bully and your code is, yeah, I'm going to really try to like mess with the new kids. Uh, I'm like, okay, that's, that's not nice. You shouldn't do those things. And you really should not say things about people's dead mothers. But if you're a bully and your code is, I'm going to, like, kill the new kids. That's not okay. Okay, we need to revise the bully code, you know? Yeah, contrast this with the bullies from, like, It. It, and It, they like, carve into the fat kid's stomach. Yeah, with Switchblade. Yeah. Like, I feel, yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying. Um, there, When I saw Clancy Brown in this movie, I don't know if you've seen him in, like, a lot of other movies, but he always seems to like when I saw him, I was like, OK, countdown. He's going to be a fucking sadist. He's going to be the cr- most insane, creepiest, crazy dude I've ever seen. It, it has happened so fast. His first line where he's like, you know, uh, me and your mom used to get together sometime. And I was yeah. like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Hey, kid, I used to fuck your mom. Yeah, literally. Now. <laughs> oh, Lord. Denali, buddy. Why don't you give us a give us a little bit more from the movie? Tell us what you like, <laughs> Ryan, yeah. buddy. He uh, he killed it. Gave off some weird vibes before he yeah. did anything sadistic. Like yeah. there's the the part one scene in particular that comes back around and turns into sadism. But like he has these rabbits. And you don't know why he has these like hundreds of white rabbits in cages. And he's rigging up this like electrical protection system for the rabbits, like on the outside of the cage. And he's watching the rabbits do it. And he's like got this weird smirk on his face the whole time. (laughs) And we later find out that the electrical system is like used to deter the dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he I, th- I thought for sure i was like he's gonna electrocute those rabbits to death like yeah does he I, just have an animal yeah. torture farm i was wondering the same 
um until i think i mean shit well yeah we could talk about what happens to him i guess because we're, we're on the we're on the subject yeah. clancy brown's character he does first of all great performance i actually thought he did a great job oh, acting right. maniac yeah um, really did what he, he did what he was told to do i think he yes. carried the movie honestly he was the only good actor i think in this movie you didn't um, like goose which one was goose the dad oh he was okay i didn't really think he was yeah. very good either. i don't think he wanted to be there <laughs> i don't think so either he it's really phoned it in. um yeah clancy brown like basically what, what we said in the premise is that he shoots his son's dog uh the dog comes back to life um eventually this dog uh rips his fucking throat out in this random scene where he's like beating his son and then this the dog comes to the rescue the creepy zombie dog covered in blood with red eyes saves uh drew's character yep rips the dude's throat out and he dies and i think this is an unintentionally hilarious part of the movie where the two kids kind of like oh that oh. sucks you, you want to throw him in the pet cemetery <laughs> <laughs> like like it's nothing and they're totally unaffected with on the ride home yeah that's why the jeff's character who is i guess technically the main character uh yeah the john connor guy his character was all over the place yeah. sometimes he'd be like really scared of the pet cemetery and then for like six straight scenes he would just be staring at the wall yeah, he was like, I think he had some kind of split personality where he'd be asking, acting like a psychopath, like, right. or, or acting like someone who has really terrible delusions. But other times he's like a grounded, normal character, like, geez, guys, this is crazy. And then he's like, oh, let's fucking bury his body and then have him come back and then do like a weekend at Bernie's thing, even though he's kind of off. Like, I don't yeah, know. The, the weekend at Bernie's scenes were kind of strange. Like, uh, hey, if there's one person you should probably tell that you brought this guy back to life, it's your mom who's sleeping in the same bed as him. Yeah. And also, the inability of the kids to predict that the evil character would come back even more evil after they buried him in a cemetery, after yeah. the super nice dog came back evil nice dog ripped a dude's throat out and they're like yeah this sadistic mm. dad he's definitely gonna be a-okay when he comes back and he was for a while he was, which was he weird. was okay i, I guess I, yeah i liked the the uh, the flip of the switch when he comes back and he's absolutely he's like he's like nah, doesn't really say anything it's like kind of like a okay you get one because you brought me back to life i'll right, give you, the I'll thing, give you right? a little bit yeah but then, yeah. and then, like, the dinner, he invites him over for dinner. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, where he's, like, like laughing with a, <laughs> like, mouthful of mashed potatoes. That scene was actually pretty good. <laughs> I actually legit enjoyed that scene where he's just acting like a maniac at the dinner table. Um, there was suspense, right? Because we didn't, we didn't know when he was going to go was crazy. Yeah. When, yeah. I love the, that. the scene with the bully at the end. Too. So I mean, it's just oh, wild. God. This whole movie, again, fever dream, totally makes sense. You don't really understand what direction the plot is going to go because uh, he's he's a zombie and he saves the kids from the bully, right? But then he yeah. chases the bully down and viciously murders him <laughs> with his dirt bike. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just fucking with you, kid. <laughs> that was like, so was funny. It's like, <laughs> and, like and then brings him back to life. It's like, yeah that scene like i loved it first of all these people who get resurrected they're kind of heroes for like a second right because he saves the bully is is like about to grind the main character's face in like a bike spoke and yeah. then clancy brown zombie clancy brown shows up saves the day he's like hey kid 
get out of here. I got this. And then proceeds to grind his face off with a dirt bike. I need but bodies like, for my zombie army. That scene and was by the way, audience, we're mentioning some grisly stuff here. Yeah. Yes. However, oh, yeah. we're only mentioning probably the least grisly murders in the movie. There's some yeah. other stuff that happens that we will not mention um, just by, you know, goodwill. Yeah, there's that scene where he has the dirt bike wheel above the, the guy, the bully's face. And then he's like saying like, oh, I'm just fucking with you. And his scarf gets caught and his face gets grinded off. Clancy Brown's delivery of whoops. It was so funny. Yeah. And that's one thing, too, is like it was just tonal whiplash. There were really gruesome murder scenes. And then there were like kind of funny, really gruesome murder scenes. Yeah. And it's kind of the difference between a slasher movie and like a true, well, I think I would call like, you know, a horror movie or in even some case, one of the torture movies. Um, like in slasher kind of movies, Elm Street type. Yeah, of. like in, in slasher movies, I don't necessarily view it as one person going around and murdering a bunch of people. I view it as, okay, here's a slasher movie. There's going to be a monster and it's going to, people are going to die and they're going to die in silly ways. But when I'm watching an actual horror movie, there are deaths in it that I like actually feel bad when I watch the movie. And I, f- I see a character on screen who maybe I liked and uh, they die in a way that makes me feel like, wow, this person is murdered. And I, and I feel, you know, shame. I feel sadness and I want a sense of justice brought to it. This movie had both of those things. It had wacky, crazy deaths. And then it had like, Jesus Christ, someone needs to stop this guy. (laughs) And some of them happened back to back and they were never really clear, except for like the after he did it, whoops. Like those moments made it kind of clear how they viewed each one. But this movie is in this weird no man's zone, like this purgatory between a true horror movie that was out to scare you. And a slasher that might be a little bit more lighthearted. I totally agree, Ryan. I think moments like where the whoops happened, um, where these funny things happened, I think that was the uncoupling event for me mm-hmm. where I could stop taking it seriously and stop being so disturbed by it, I think. Um, even just that opening scene, I, I think I viewed it more in that terms of, yeah, like a pulpy slasher movie that's not meant to be taken 100% seriously. But is that the right choice? Like, I, I don't know if that is. And the original was definitely a slasher movie, yeah. so, you know, so like, and okay, the reason I'm talking so much about like horror movies, I watch stuff because horror is like my favorite genre of movie. And I mean, I'm not like a horror fiend, but I love slashers. And I even like write horror movie scripts and stuff like on the side for fun. That's like one of my hobbies. And I have a semi-horror novel that I've written, and I'm writing another one that's even more horror-y, and I love this stuff. I, like, absolutely love this stuff. And so when I saw the wheel land on a horror movie, I was kind of stoked, you know? And after watching this movie, it's got to go in the category of, like, do not recommend other people watch this. Mm. I think it's up there with, like... Although I think it's different than I think it's up there with like Hellraiser. Oh yeah, Hellraiser is a rough watch. I wouldn't recommend that people watch Hellraiser 
as a blanket statement, you know, if I knew somebody and I knew that they might like that movie specifically, then I might recommend it to them because I think it's a good movie. But I, I wouldn't make a blanket recommendation. And I think that's where this movie falls. It's like if you're a horror movie and you're OK watching kind of grisly stuff happen, I think this movie does have some interesting things that happen on screen. However, I'm not going to endorse this movie in any way whatsoever. Mm. This movie did it for me as a comedy is like the lasting impression. Yeah. I don't get oh, really? <laughs> really. Yeah. Like I understand the gory. I, I enjoy thoroughly enjoyed the gory elements of it. But listening to you talk yeah. about it as a as a horror movie, um, as some level of a slasher. One, I've read that it's completely departed from the first movie altogether. So there was a huge tonal shift. Stephen King totally denounced this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. Entirely. Like he does not um, it's like Pet Cemetery 2. Nope, it's not. Not mine. <laughs> Not my yeah, shit. Yeah. Stephen King doesn't write fucked up books. Ever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did see that. He I writes masterpieces like The Dark Tower. <laughs> okay. What do you guys think is the end game of like the people who get resurrected? Because what's happening is Clancy Brown's character, he gets resurrected, right? He kills someone and throws them into the zombie pit. Is eventually the town just going to become like a functional zombie town? Like, what's the end the end game here okay this so as i think the resident relative pet cemetery expert mm. <laughs> i think that there's kind of a throwaway line in this movie but the at the end of the movie the wife says dead is, dead better. is better and i think that's the theme right is that oh yeah the people who are dead want to kill in some sense because they have this attachment or belief that you know it's better for you to be dead and resurrected than for you to be alive and be mortal okay okay that makes sense actually i do remember that scene i, I think that was a, a famous line in the first one right i think like, so yeah that they make fun of in the south park movie like remember dead is better I'm like don't don't go burying your boy in that pet cemetery there right. and like the for, so, so the dead is better in the first one is referring to like dead is better than resurrected right don't put him in the pet cemetery because dead is better than whatever you're going to get back in this movie the tonal switch was like hey everybody should also be dead and resurrected and i think that's maybe where like some misinterpretation happened yeah even though the same person wrote both movies like the script and directed yeah, them i think sure. so so we can do the count let's do a count real quick so we've got you know clancy brown's character gets resurrected he yep. kills the bully, resurrects him, and the bully comes back also sadistic, big surprise. Yep. Um, towards the end, you have Jeff's character, who at this point, um, his best friend Drew and Drew's mom was were, were killed by uh by the sheriff. And his he like drove them into like a semi truck, but th- that scene was also weird too, because I feel like that was avoidable. By potatoes. So, yeah, okay. like, what was with the potatoes, man? Why <laughs> they <laughs> killed him and then it just moved on. And I, I prefer it that way. It's like, what the, the fuck? The, the semi truck hits them, and then, like, there was an artistic decision that was made to pour, like, 10,000 potatoes on top of their body. Yeah, they wasted all those potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what a bizarre. Okay, and then Jeff at this point loses his mind. He's, like, kind of, like, catatonic and totally dissociated. Um, he decides to go help. Gus, I guess, bury his mom to bring her back in the pet cemetery, right? And that kind of brings in the climax of the movie, um, where you just have all of the resurrected people in one house, and Jeff is trying to fight with his dad to get the fuck out of there. That last bit was insane. And this is a dog movie, mind you. Um, yeah, okay, that's mostly what I want to say. It's like, we gotta talk about that. 
huge. Like, this is like the poor tennis ball rolls past the dog and <laughs> goes down a well. <laughs> like, we are in some depths uh, of darkness that I did not know existed in the dog movie universe. And the whiplash I got from going from <laughs> Airbud 5, Airbud Spikes Back, <laughs> Pet Cemetery 2. Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, it, I don't think I'm ever going to recover. I, no. <laughs> I, I'm more happy about this one, but I would argue thoroughly that this is less of a dog movie. I would, I would say whatever fucking movie we watch with Matthew McConaughey in it, that I was like adamant that it was not an MM movie and we shouldn't have watched it. Like, this is five <laughs> times worse. <laughs> okay, the dog had a lot of screen time compared to Matthew McConaughey in Days to Confused, I will say. That is, yeah. <laughs> And I might even say the dog was a driving force in this movie. Yeah, because... that's more of it, is the dog was a driving force. Um, None the of this would happen. Yeah. committed some war crimes yep. uh, that I'm not going to describe. But they were, man, like the dog's actions, I think, had a very important impact on the story. And the dog, whether that's like to tertiary characters or to primary characters, mm -hmm. I think that this movie would have happened a lot differently, not for the dog. I don't necessarily know if I can say the same for Matthew McConaughey's pervy character in Days of Confused. <laughs> for sure. Um, this, this movie, and this is, this is outside of the dog, I suppose, but the soundtrack of this movie, I think kind of low-key slaps. Bang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slaps. Um, there's great, like, synthy riffs in there, and then some kind of grungy, like, dur, dur, and then, like, guitar wails in between the scenes. Right. It's definitely, like, a post-Nirvana horror movie, too. Like, that's... Yeah. I, I was kind of into that. This movie was very aesthetic. Um, there's some great shots i thought of like the kids riding their bicycles past like fields and like creepy houses and that's the shit i show up to stephen king movies for yeah. like that type of kind of nostalgic yeah. um, style movie with, with these types of things and that's definitely what stranger things is tapping into um you know some of these other modern kind of throwback horror movies um i think they didn't play into the strengths of a stephen king movie <laughs> right they almost forgot that it was one yeah the mysticism just quickly turned into like camp very distasteful mm -hmm. <laughs> so i think that our discussion so far is great proof that this podcast works best when we talk about movies for adults yeah <laughs> because we're able to talk about all this stuff and we're not just like oh there's not really much to say about them this week we're talking about the whole time and I haven't even looked at my giant page of notes over here that I probably will just review for my re review. But like, I, I don't know. Like, our discussion this time seems a lot more serious. We can talk about, you know, how well it's shot or how well it sticks to the genre because it actually has one. That genre isn't just dog movie. It, it, it exists beyond just being a dog movie. We can go get Air Bud and we can bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jace, I'm listening. I'm listening for Airbud 15, where we bring his ass back. Wait, could this be the sequel I've been waiting for, where Airbud cusses, does, does drugs, and sometimes yes, kills? Yes. It's because he was resurrected. And uh, it's going to write itself, man. You know what it is? It's the U.S. in the Tokyo Olympics. Um, they've they've run out like because of because of the, the pandemic. They've run out of key athletes 
and they need a player for like five different sports. So they they got they they're this like is, this situation is built for Airbud. We need yes. Airbud back. He's the most versatile <laughs> athlete dead. on the planet. Ain't no rules. Dogs can't perform in at least seventeen of these obscure sports that there's probably not a lot of rules for. I feel like an Airbud Olympics is kind of the natural progression of where he's playing ping pong, doing curling, long jump, fucking ski jump, uh, you know, basketball, of course, you know, obligatory just for the fans, uh, boxing, um, no, not boxing. God damn it. I keep doing this. Um, I keep going back to fighting. <laughs> Fencing, the, that's what's probably fine. The plot could even be like uh Airbud's on the national basketball team, but oh. he needs to compete in his other sports and he has to get done in time for the basketball championship. Oh god, he'd be run ragged because he's doing volleyball. He's like run he's doing the And the basketball teammates are telling him, Don't play so hard, Airbud. And he's like, I play hundred percent no matter what. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here. This is my second chance. Fuck. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> this is this is the writing itself, you guys. I, I think this is uh, one of my top five uh, movie pitches we've done. I think Airbud. <laughs> We're gonna make uh, the blacklist. Is there is there any? Um, are we running into any issues with stealing both Airbud IP and mm, Pet Cemetery? And one hundred percent, we will be sued into oblivion. Okay, we just need Stephen King's okay to have a resurrection plotline in Airbud. Um, and then uh, that's probably the easiest part, by the way. <laughs> the hard part is going to be whoever owns the Airbud IP, or we could wait a hundred years until it turns into public, public domain. Domain. Let's write this, put it in a time capsule. Someone a hundred years from now, they'll, they'll dig it up and be like, "Papa, what is a film?" <laughs> like that was from the before time. We don't speak of that anymore. <laughs> That's from and then Airbud Air Olympics, like starts a cultural revolution in the Oh yeah. Future. Yeah. Cultural renaissance. When all the glaciers are melted and it becomes water world, they'll be like, let's act this out and it'll give people hope. And then is that another screenplay? That's pretty good too, yeah. <laughs> it's a water world sequel. Fuck. Water world too. Yeah, but another idea. It's still really bad, but also sometimes we do plays. Only like three guys found dry land in Waterworld. Okay, there's at least like seven billion other people that still need to find it. Um, well, back to this movie. Um, there was some pretty messed up dream sequences that actually scared me, like legitimately. Um, right. Because there's a scene where the, I want to get crude, but we don't having, need to spell the scene. We don't need to. We don't need to spell the scene. So I would have liked to see them. If you are. Okay. Yeah. The least bit curious about watching Pet Cemetery Two, yeah. which, by the way, we do not advise that you do. Yes. Um. Then you can watch and find out what we're talking about. Okay, but there is a dog head on a lady in a dream sequence, and they do have sex, and that's that's it. That's all I'm gonna say about it. It happens twice. <laughs> there was an actually scary scene in this movie, like a couple that were actually yeah. well done. By the way, namely the dog in the rocking chair scene. Oh my fuck, that was terrifying. I can that was thinking about really. It. That was really good. That actually like get, got me an actual jump, like which is which is easy, but because that I want to, I'm going to spell this out for people who maybe aren't horror fans. Uh, there are ways to make jump scares good. 
Now, a lot of people say jump scares are, you know, they're what's wrong with horror movies and stuff like that. Well, I sort of agree with you. And I sort of agree that fake jump scares are really the problem or the over-reliance of. One or two in a horror movie is good, as long as there's a payoff, as long as there's a reason to be scared. And in my opinion, the three good elements of a jump scare are breadcrumbs leading up to the, the scare, then the, the actual like scare, <laughs> then the actual scare, and yeah. then the sustained scare. So when there's a fake scare, yeah, you know, like, oh, it's just my kitty cat in the window. Yeah, that's like, so annoying. <laughs> there's no sustained scare. And therefore, like, you just completely, ah, I hate this movie. But uh, there's a few very, very notable uh, jump scares in, that I really, really love. And they're some of my favorite scenes in movie history. Mm. Uh, there's one in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that is my favorite jump scare. And they, the, the scary part is that you need to be on the edge of your seat because at any moment, things could go crazy and the characters could be in danger. I care about the characters being in danger. I don't necessarily care about me jumping up out of my seat. Right. So, a good jump scare is like a good nut shot on your friend, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, want to keep your hands. It lasts. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a good jump scare is like jazz, man. You know, you, you got to have a build up. And, you know, follow through, subverting expectations, you know. It's, it's the jump scares you don't do that matter. I just like making I guess, a jazz I think you analogy. Might be trying to agree. make a joke, but yes, I would actually kind of agree <laughs> with that in some ways. Yeah. Well, that rocking chair scene, and I, I agree with what you said, Ryan. Like, this one was very effective because it just shows the mom kind of rocking in the seat. You know, it's part of a dream sequence. And then it kind of pans up and has like this demonic dog head right after they resurrect the dog. And then the kid's bed just pulls away and the room expands really fast. And it's a terrifying sequence. If they kept elements like that in the movie and kind of kept it serious, I think it would have been a really effective horror movie. It would have been, I think it's on par with like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street style where they do the mixing of dreams and reality. And that movie has an amazing uh scary scene in it and i think that this movie kind of forgot what it was supposed to be doing you know uh right. and it was so close it was like tone it down a little bit uh don't make so many weird scenes <laughs> and a few less jokes and you're kind of there yeah oh, definitely um <laughs> I had something uh, I was trying to read. One of the things we like uh, alluded to, but not really talked about this season much is like how these animals were handled on film. And this, oh, yeah. what this movie um, of the majority of them did leave me like feeling like, Oh, Holy shit. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. There's a full write up on the humane society about how they handled this or like on the website that they handled this movie oh. really, really well. So they used a really? lot this of puppets one. Yeah, yeah, or it, it detailed all of the scenes with the animals and how really? how, okay. how they were used and then how puppets were used. And it really doesn't seem like there were any gaffes or like anything wrong at all with how they treated the animals. So like um oh. apparently there was a, there was a scene where Zowie jumps through some glass in some uh mm -hmm. through a window and they gave a full like recollection of training the dog to jump through a, an open fake window and then jumping through sugar glass and then just being able to do it. And it uh, so I'm what? pleasantly, I'm pleasantly surprised. That's actually really relieving to hear. Cause I was, you know, like Ryan, I was watching this movie and I was like, I don't know. There's a lot of shots with this dog 
Um, because there's violent scenes with it, and I'm just like, I, I, I wonder about this stuff, especially throughout this season. Good to hear. A fucked up gory movie actually did some ethical shit behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, the ending of this, if, if, if I may, um, the ending of this movie where basically I guess everybody dies with the like everyone yeah. who was resurrected brutally dies. Like they burn the whole house down. The kids yeah. resurrected mom. You know they burn her in the house because they find out that she's not really the mom. You know because she's like a demonic monster. Um, the kid and the dad are like, hey, let's get out of here, and they get into a car and drive away. Of all the movies that I thought would have a court or a legal scene of any kind. I thought this would at least have something. <laughs> How the fuck <laughs> this kid and dad getting out of this town without being suspect suspect number uno for like four murders? Right. You can every dog movie fits into some form of like law that's on the bar exam. Yes. <laughs> Except for this movie, I think like, you know, they don't have like resurrection law. Uh on there i guess in some ways you could make sense some sort of like you know human rights arguments okay. but like we're getting into some ethical territory of do resurrected ethical. people yeah have autonomy and rights as humans <laughs> if yeah. even if they are possessed by probably some demonic force i mean can you i think if there was any type of a court case surrounding this you would win it no matter what because you'd be like okay i'm gonna kill this rabbit vet it's dead right come with me Come to the pet cemetery. Come to the pet cemetery, <laughs> and then you're gonna bury the rabbit. It's gonna come back to life, and you're gonna have a Monty Python and the Holy Grail scene where the <laughs> rabbit flies and starts biting necks off. You're like, oh Jesus Christ! That might be in the intro of Airbud. Uh, oh. You know, Airbud Pet Cemetery, the Bud Olympics, where. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name. Yeah. Where the government finds out about. The pet cemetery and uses it to their advantage and one way they use it is by resurrecting airbud so they can sweep the olympics holy fuck okay i'm writing an email to stephen king tonight um and i'm gonna ask him to to reach out to the airbud franchise and write this movie yeah i think disney might be the harder pull than stephen king yeah well you know he, i think he can pull some strings I mean, the wider question is if the government gets a hold of this and, you know, this is morbid, this is this was featured in other other comics and stuff either they might create an undead army who are painless murderers. Um, there's not a lot of real estate in the pet cemetery. It's kind of like a kind of a small circle they show in the movie. Pretty that big. Where, where, is it like it's kind of like this circle of stones. And I feel like you can't fit like an army of 100,000 oh, in there. Like, yeah. you know, do you have to bury it? in the middle portion of that giant because of the circle the circle right. structures we see from like that i think it must have been did they film that shot with a helicopter they had a, cool, wasn't a drone I mean, yeah it was shots. a couple the structure itself was large but yeah i feel like that there was the inner circle that maybe that's where you have buried yeah, i feel like that's where the cellular regeneration was happening mm -hmm. um and then they say you have to bury your own does the president have to bury all of them like is that gonna is that kind of how it works like no 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 Hmm. So this could be like a way that uh, you have a murder trial. Okay. And the sentence, I say, okay, you, uh, part of the sentence is you have to go out to the pet cemetery and bury the victim. Oh, shit. Uh, but then the victim's going to be a murderer. No, the victim's going to be an undead crazy person. But then they can enlist in the military with us undead, and then you have an army. Enlist. I think just yeah, be well, yeah, immediately I mean, brought. 
guys. You get a we, large net system set up. The this means that the U.S. government is going to force Airbud's owner to dig up his dog and rebury him in the pet cemetery. Hey, for the good of the nation, I would not put it past the U.S. government to do that. For national security, anything, Jace. For so propaganda, even like this is not even national security. So they'll keep putting people into the pet cemetery, like people ranging all the way back to the 1900s to create an undead army. Get Lincoln out. Get fucking Lincoln out. <laughs> don't got any good candidates. I mean, he's from the 1800s. He probably has some problematic statements. Oh, he's yeah. Let's let's be real. He's not progressive for today's standard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe maybe if there's really not good candidates, you can resurrect a good one. You know, resurrect. Um, Yeah, let's see the problem. Uh, Son, you're Abraham Lincoln's great, 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 great grandchild. I need you to bury him for me. What? What? Isn't he buried? (laughs) You have to bury your own. Look at the wrong story, kid. You know they bury bodies with, like, concrete above them, right? We took care of that For this exact reason. Oh. So, what if, and, you know, forgive me for being morbid, um, you started burying, like, people started vetting bodies for, like, being good soldiers. Like, you know, bodybuilders, people who are really strong, maybe big dogs and shit. And they kind of put them in a separate cemetery for, like, a draft where they're like, okay, we don't want to do this. Let me just say as president, I don't want to do this at all. But it's good that we have some choices in case we need a large undead army of about 300,000. That are remorseless and don't feel pain <laughs> and almost invincible. Yeah, that kind of brings up a point, right, where is there a moral way to do that? Let's say the family members sign off on it. They're like, well, yeah. wouldn't did the person want to sign off on it in life? You'd have to sign oh, off on oh, like that's a even better. Right? <laughs> that would be, I think, the U.S. might, you know, that, that gun might be better uh, before it's drawn. Like, you might, right. might want to tell oh, you know, the yeah. other countries, hey, look. You know, you got to do what we say, because right. if you don't, uh, we've got something in our back pocket that we'll share with you. But you got to, you know, you got to fall in line. Like, I, would you would you go to war with a country that who you knew could pull out an undead army? I think uh, we're kind of, yeah, that's that's under the assumption that the U.S. is the only place like I mean, yeah. there's like mystical shit all around the world, you know? I'm sure yeah. even penguins got mystical shit down there. Um, can you imagine like resurrecting like Optimus Prime, you know, when Optimus Prime died and, you know, Revenge of the Fallen? Yeah. You know, you're. <laughs> that would probably, that'd be scary. That'd be a bad one. That'd be terrifying, right? It'd be, it'd be... I guess, yes. Okay, Denali. The concept yeah. of reincarnating a cool. giant alien robot from yeah. the series Transformers yeah. would be yeah. terrifying on a basic level. Cool. So wait, why does... why? Okay, so they don't really explain in the first one, do they, like, why this... Like, is it a, na- like, a native... Is, are they kind of doing, like, a fetishization of, like, Native American mysticism? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay. But it's not, like, something that the Native Americans knew about that was there before... I feel like oh, that was yeah. kind of the case. It's kind of, well, yeah, it's kind of like uh, ancient wisdom sort of ordeal. Okay, so so that means, like, this is like some kind of temporal rift where some kind of physics thing is happening in this point in the, in the world, and then, like, they kind of knew about it beforehand. 
Well, I think it's it, the the mysticism to Native American religions is very, very obviously. However, I think in general, the stereotypical idea that would be in an 80s movies about Indian right. burial grounds. Right, right. OK. <laughs> is going to be that they've figured out a way to do this by praying to some sort of tribal god that we don't pray to. Okay. So there's this, they have an, they have an access to an all knowing power and they are able to infuse that power in their burial grounds. Okay. So I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering like, yeah, I guess I just, I want to know like why, but I guess this, this is not the movie for that. No, not at all. Why didn't they like write a, a warning? Cause I'm sure after like the first one, well, they did. Did they write a warning where they like, Hey, well, that's, the whole, do this? that's the whole idea. <laughs> oh, like, okay. Okay. Dead is better. Okay, they wrote it down in the first one. They were like, hey, guys, no one fucking do this. This is a bad idea. Yeah, that, well, that's the whole. So keep out. Well, right, Jace, you've caught on to it. In the first movie, there's a long kind of moral quandary over whether or not to climb the wall that says keep out. And the wall is made of like sharp sticks and things. So you have to carry you have it, to climb over that with a body. Right. And that's kind of a, almost a minor plot point itself. So. And. <laughs> He's already dead. You don't, have to, you don't have to bury it, dude. Just the impact. <laughs> and so I think this, that's my big complaint with this movie is that it loses the nuance that, mm. you know, the first movie kind of Stephen King, there's one thing he does. He writes a lot about the subject he writes about. And so he thought of these things and I don't think it came through to the sequel of the movie adaptation. Okay. Well, that's um, I think I need to see that that first one just to get some context and some perspective totally. on this, because I think yeah. the concept's pretty cool. I think it could be um, it could be used to like a great narrative extent. Um, I think it can make it we can make it for a more interesting movie, which is I think what I was, I was kind of hungering for for this yeah. for this one. And you guys probably missed a lot of the references to the original anyways. Probably. I mean, I knew the creeds were kind of like involved right. in the first one. They've talked about a cat who was resurrected, who I know is iconic. Um, I think they I think, well, from from critical acclaim, I think that's one of the reasons I think this movie got knocked is it really had only fleeting references to the first movie. We weren't really it's almost like yeah, it, 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 un, it, it was like, you've all seen the first movie. Why? Why would we uh, explain what's going on here? Yeah. So did you guys read? And you guys might have um, about originally this was going to be about the teenage girl who was the survivor of the Creed family. Mm, um, this was going to be no. a continuation directly uh, from that movie. However, the movie studios, as you know, as we expect, uh, thought a teenage girl couldn't carry the movie, so they changed it to a teenage boy, um, someone who was popular from the you know the Terminator Two franchise. I'm not going to knock on him. People have done that enough. I think he did fine. And then um, they. They didn't, they couldn't, of all the crazy risks and bets and decisions they made in this movie, that's where they fucking draw the line, is having a teenage girl star? Are you shitting me? Like those fucking cowards? Like, Airbud 5, they took that risk. They had a teenage girl lead in replacement of their original teenage boy lead. And you know what? I think it worked. I think it worked. I was invested in her storyline. Dare I say it more than Airbud 1's story, storyline. So, yeah, let's get real. The problem with Airbud Five was not the fact that there was a female actress. Anything, the dog was the problem. But this is not Airbud <laughs> Five reviews. That was last week. <laughs> but if Airbud Five is taking a bigger, more progressive, and hot, better like risk than your movie Pet Cemetery Two, I, I think you need to take a hard look at yourself. 
Wait, how come there's not an Airbud president movie where, you know, like there's like no, there's no rules in the Constitution that the president has to be a human, not a dog. Like I don't think there is a rule like explicitly written that it can't be a dog. No, I think if anything, it might just say one person. I mean, that's not a big legal step, right? Like I feel like there could be an Airbud president. Movie. Well, we're getting there. Okay, so uh, there's a push in some states, and actually New York is where the current push is uh, going. There's a Court of Appeals case here that uh, is going forward soon about okay. the personhood of the animals in the Bronx Zoo. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. Mainly the elephant. And so if we take this to its logical conclusion, in some way we could get personhood to pets uh, and have them you know, not be property anymore. And then person in the Constitution could be then identified as a possible animal. Okay, so there is a legal case, a legal precedent to allow Airbud to be a person so that it can be elected into the presidency. And you can have an Airbud president movie and then have it be a hard-hitting drama. Um, you know, he picks his cabinet by, I don't know, they have like two choices and then he runs to one of them. And that's kind of how he makes every choice in the White House. They have to kind of like put food behind two choices and then he kind of runs to one, like ice cream or sandwich, you know, things Airbud loves. So Airbud is revived by the president to win the Olympics, gains the love of the national audience, yes, and yes. then yes. runs for president. And then, Airbud and president then starts going insane and starting a bunch of wars because he was revived in the pet cemetery. And this is fucking okay. I don't think we'll make. The, I don't think we'll get this movie made. But I do think if we pitch this in Hollywood, we will turn some heads. Turn this some is heads. a great elevator pitch. You know, be like, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to fit our deli dudes uh, lobster cane movie into an elevator pitch. Right, yeah, right, but right. it might be easy to put Airbud Olympics, Air Olympics into an elevator pitch. Mm. So lock, uh, you know, a Hollywood producer in an elevator. Fucking force him to listen to your uh, Airbud Olympics slash President sequel. Um, get thrown in jail. You know, maybe uh, I'll test this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On Monday, I'll go to the elevator and say okay so okay the united states uh uses the pet cemetery revive air but and they draft him onto the all their olympic teams and they need to win all the gold medals and then he becomes president because he becomes a national icon why'd you hit the emergency stop button <laughs> <laughs> you know what dude if someone no shit if, if that was a trailer for a movie, my ass would be camped out in front of the movie theater so fast. And they took it seriously and not like one of those ha-ha Sharknado shit. Like, if they took this seriously... Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, the difference between, you know, the, the funny, terrible movies and this is like... And even if you guys, even if there's a Hollywood exec out there listening and wants to fund Lobster Cane, like, the one thing we hate is when people get a lot of money to make a movie and they don't care about like mm -hmm. when you like we talk yes. about this all the time what was the budget for this movie like what would you do with this amount of money like if i had five million bucks to spend on a movie i would try to probably make like Airbud becomes president okay i think we need to get a derated guy we gotta review the movie Holy i shit. think we gotta re review this gosh darn movie um jace do you want to start off uh, our woofometer here yeah uh let me get over to that okay hmm Wolf Omer here is, again, just a challenge every single week. Um, <laughs> it's a constant challenge this season. Constant fucking struggle. Um, but, you know, 
I liked a lot of the tricks that the dog did. I, we mentioned the dog uh, driving factor, but didn't have the most screen time. Yeah. Um, but very well trained. Cute dog. Yeah. I am impressed with what the dog put up with. And, uh, you know, I think the major knocks are really going to come from volume. This was a this was a zombie film that was kind of sh- we, we got the zombie dog and then, mm-hmm. um, you know, it kind of departed from that. I, oh, I forgot to mention earlier, like I might have to use my rearview mirror to make sure there's not a zombie dog coming up to like attack me when I open a door. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm I want to give it uh, I don't want to be really harsh. I was thinking originally I was going to give it like a zero or a one. But, Damn. Um, you know, you guys, you talked to I'm going to give this movie, the Wolfometer, a six. And I think that's fair because Whoa. I think the volume wow. was very, okay. very low. But I just uh, I loved what the dog was doing. Zowie, was the dog's Zowie. name? Yeah. Zowie. I loved what Zowie was doing. What a name. Yeah. Great name. Zowie. Uh, David Bowie's son, uh, Zowie, Zowie, yeah, Bowie, Bowie. Uh, Zowie Bowie. Thanks. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he's a famous director. Um, he has a, a different name that he, I forgot. I'm forgetting his director name, but he directed like Moon and the Warcraft movie. Um, he's done some some. But I, that's the only other real person who I know is named Zowie. So, OK, well, we have a six, uh, six on the, the Wolfometer. That's a surprising score. Um, as far as my wolfometer goes, I have to agree with Jace with in the fact that there isn't a lot of dogs in this movie. When I initially pitched this movie, let me uh, defend myself a little bit. Um, I was Googling scary dog movies because I really wanted to see Zoltan Hound of Dracula. Um, I wanted to see some ridiculous zombie dog shit. Um, this movie uh, was featured in a multiple lists of scariest dogs of all time. Mm. Um, I think this was number one on one of those lists where people are like, holy fuck, this dog scarred me for life. I think the aspects of this movie that scarred me for life are probably not the dog. Um, however, there was scary scenes with the dog. I think th- things were set in motion because the dog was resurrected. However, the memorable parts are not the dog. I wouldn't call this a dog movie. This is a movie mostly run by humans. Most of the scenes are, are humans. The dog is not a star. It's not really a main character at all. Um, so for that reason, I think I'm going to have to comfortably sit at like a two. There were pretty good dog scenes. I think it was well trained. There's a scene where it's shot and kind of sitting in the, the kid's lap. And you could tell like the dog is kind of like happy and excited that the kid's like <laughs> like petting it. But he's keeping it together. He's not like panting. He's like kind of just trying to stay as still as possible. I respect that type of discipline in this actor dog. Um, and the fact that Jay said that, you know, the animal rights groups kind of gave it uh, a pass. At least that kind of makes me feel a little better. But two's going to be this. This is not for the dog lovers out there. Uh, Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm in between both of you. And I'm actually surprised that Jace put his score up as high as he did then. I think it might I might I might have gotten a little too high. I'm I didn't know no, but I, I, was I, thought, I, thought I was gonna it be it's... I thought I was gonna be the highest mm. because I actually really liked this movie. Like uh I hated this movie and I really liked it. There was dog scenes I think that were so good that they were ten out of ten dog scenes. And then I think there was forty five minutes of the movie where the dog wasn't really a big part. So I think, again, I'm going to agree with Jace merely for my dog score. We will get into the actual movie scores after this, but I'm going to give it a six on the woofometer. Damn. Okay. Because the rocking chair 
scene, I think, is an example of a perfect scare scene. And I am going to actually be remembering that scene for a while. Movie ranking. The things that I liked about this this one, um, Clancy Brown killed it. He really yeah, carried, yeah. he really carried the movie with his like crazed acting and playing a total dick. Fantastic. I loved the I actually really, really enjoyed the visual effects in the film throughout the whole time. I uh enjoyed the I think they did the gore well. I think they set up their scenes well. Um and in this really weird roundabout way, I came into thoroughly enjoying this movie probably because it was like so bad but i was yeah. laughing like i said it it gave the feeling to me of being a comedy not really a horror film so i was just laughing at everything by the time it was done from the way these people are getting killed you know i'm just fucking with you um and it uh it feels up there for me i'm I would watch this again oh. with its problems. I think I think this might be a yearly watch for me, maybe around <laughs> Halloween. Um, I'm going to give the movie an eight. No way. <laughs> yeah. <Gosh. laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny because I was just laughing my balls off while I was watching it. And Yuri <laughs> was so pissed off. She hated it. She's like, this movie is so terrible. But I couldn't stop laughing. Like I was loving watching it every single second. And I know that it's like tonally discordant. It doesn't make any sense. It's right. not doing one thing well on either side of the spectrum. But yeah. I was just like, yes. So it, it was the so bad it's it's entertaining and good. Yeah. Um, for you. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, man. That's <laughs> I'm glad we're going to have some um, some differences. Yeah, know, which I'm which I think we're going to watch this. With. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, eight from Jace. That's a surprise score. Uh, for me, this movie, I think, surprised me in the sense that I was expecting something as bad as Dark Tower. I think the Dark Tower is actually worse than this movie. Um, I was expecting something that was really boring. And this this didn't bore me. I can at least say that. I think I was invested in this movie, even though the acting was not good. I was curious about what was going to happen to the characters. I was curious about Jeff's dad. I was going to I wanted to see what was going to happen with the pet cemetery. I think they kind of built tension, maybe not in the most effective way, but I was I wanted to see how this movie was going to shake down, which I think is a lot more than what I can say about the Dark Tower. <laughs> um like jace i mean I, dude i i agree man like there was scenes where i straight up laughed my ass off uh there were scenes i think were in, that were intentionally supposed to be funny with clancy brown um and there were other scenes that were just so fucking bad i couldn't stop laughing like the mom's terrible death scene some of like the the re the reactions in this movie there's a scene where there's like a babysitter talking to jeff and she's like hey don't worry like sometimes school's hard and he's like you're not my mom and he like runs away <laughs> that that had me rolling when i saw it uh, so yeah this movie was entertaining but deeply fucking disturbing guys um there wasn't a lot of scary parts there was maybe about one or two that would kind of like chilled me um the rest of it it was not effective as a horror movie if you're laughing too much and you're not supposed to be laughing i don't think that's an effective movie soundtrack was fun um the uh styles i think i love because it's kind of like a slice of life from the early 90s late 80s i think it's a very cool aesthetic if you like that kind of shit um i want more stephen king movies too um so i think it kind of fed that aspect however i am going to give this a three this movie is is not good i don't think i overall enjoyed it but however when i watched it i was pretty entertained <laughs> 
Amber would look over from time to time watching. Like she she would only see like a silent movie because I have headphones on. And she would just see these scenes and she's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, so if anything, I think this movie had an effect. Whether or not it was good is is to be said, but it's three out of ten for me. Yeah, that's I think the key thing. And sorry to interrupt before you go, Ryan, but oh, no, yeah. I from a technical perspective of rating this movie, my eight is a pure feel good how I felt afterwards. Because oh, yeah, I, I didn't... think from I think from both <laughs> of you more more so than me, we could really rack up the points against this one as far as it being an effective like right. storytelling device. Right. I didn't I, legitimately I think you were. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I have competing forces here. Uh, I think that my ratings fluctuate a lot between what I subjectively feel and what I objectively feel. If I like a movie, I'm going to go with total subjective. <laughs> if, I, if I don't like a movie, I'm going to try and be fair and, uh, you know, throw the bone here. But I think this movie is going to benefit a lot from my dogflation, meaning I think that dog movies have a cap. I don't think they can go beyond a certain level. I don't think a dog movie could ever be a 10 out of 10 movie. So I'm keeping that in mind. Uh, I'm giving maybe giving a point or two to where I might think that, you know, a movie necessarily didn't have to have a dog in it. This movie almost felt like a real movie. And so I might score it as a real movie. I haven't, even right now, I have not made up my mind. You both made really great points. Uh, I actually think I enjoyed this movie less than I would rate it objectively. I think my objective score would be higher than my subjective score. I just did not like watching this movie. It didn't hit me right. And part of that, I think, is that I was watching with Julie. And I try to keep the kind of gory horror movies away from Julie because I like to watch them with her. So I need her to say yes more than once to watching a horror movie. Um, so this is going to exist in this weird space. Like, it, like Jay said, it was totally all over the place. But it had some charm. And I think the charm was, I think, calculated. I don't think that it was random chance. I don't think that they weren't trying to make us laugh when they made us laugh. Um, or at least when they made Jace laugh. So the, the, the issue for me is just how unnecessarily brutal it was at the same time that it was trying to make jokes. Like, I have in my notes here, I have multiple things I started to write down where I was like, wow, this is really brutal. And then the list just got really long to the point where like it's kind of comical. Like in my list are words such as kittens, rabbits, motorcycle, another dog bite, drill, maid, bully coming back and exploding, <laughs> melting. Like there, there were a lot of death scenes in this movie, uh, a couple too many. I mean, this has a higher body count than some slash movies. Than all of our dog movies, I think. <laughs> Maybe combined. All dogs go to heaven. That one had a body count, actually. <laughs> yeah. I think there were some bright spots. I think with a little script doctoring, this could have been done a lot better. Uh, and I think it was done better in the literal first movie of this series. So if you if if this movie gave a little bad taste in your mouth, 
uh, go watch the first one. Why don't you just go do that? And so, therefore, I'm not going to rate it above a five, I don't think, because okay, it would be hard to be worse than the movie that came before you and still get above a five. So I'm going to go with a four, and right. that's pretty darn generous, I think. I that's I would thought you were gonna go lower than me, Ryan. So that's that's cool to hear, man. Like, I'm generous today. I'm feeling yeah. good. This was a good episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if someone gave this movie a zero, I think I'd be like, yeah, that's totally fair. Um, <laughs> this, let me get this straight. Like, this is not a good movie. If we haven't made that clear already, <laughs> well, we did it, guys. Ryan, Ryan, do you feel better digesting this movie now? Because I, I feel better. Like, I feel like a weight yeah. can lift it off. Yeah, I feel like I wasn't making it up. <laughs> I feel like it was something that actually happened. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I thought, whoa, okay. I've processed this with other adults who maybe felt the same way, maybe felt a little bit differently. So my feelings are valid. Yes. And also my nightmares. Like Julie also had a nightmare. And uh, it was not a good time right after this movie. It's been a dark, dark time in my life. Well, I hope we can be that to other people who have seen Pet Cemetery 2 and are just like trawling the internet. If you're listening in and seen this movie, <laughs> it did not feel good after it. I hope we helped you digest it because um, we hear you. That was some fucked up shit. But now, but now we can move on and, and watch one more dog movie. Wrap up the dog house. Finish strong with the Wheel of Chaos making our final choice. Um, I remember like our choices, like I think on that list looked pretty good. Like I was pretty pleased with what we had. But like every week, you know, each of us can choose to add a movie or take away a movie on this spinner wheel. Jace will spin the wheel and whatever it lands on will be our movie. Um, this is something that has worked to varying effect throughout our season. However, I have no regrets. So my question for the group. Is there a certain amount of ceremony you want to have to movie number 10? Do we want to sort of rig the system by calling out some of the non-favorable movies here that might be like, we're not ending the season on a bang? Are, we need to end are you guys the just se- telling me that you really want to watch Beverly Hills Chihuahua? Yes. <laughs> Honestly, okay. We need to, to, I think, to Ryan's credit, I think we need to end on a movie that's like straight up a fucking dog movie. Like, yeah. there needs to be a dog central to the movie. I feel like Old Yeller could, could that because that's like a tentpole dog movie. Um, something like Lassie, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, where you just, it's definitely a dog who is like the main driver and the main screen time. Is that what you're yeah, thinking, I totally Ryan? Agree. Yeah. yeah, well, sort of dog, but also like sort of like some sort of, you know, final firework of the night. Yeah, we should still use and respect the Wheel of Chaos, however, because I'm afraid what will happen if we do not respect oh, yeah. it. So usually we get one ad and one veto. I'm going to say I'm not going to exercise my ad, but I'll exercise my veto. I'll get rid of a wiener dog. I added the movie and I thought it would have been a great movie for like you know six seven eight mm-hmm. but i don't think it's a good number 10 movie so yeah with with that being said unfortunately michael i'm sorry um i'm taking your addition from last week of max off the list it's oh. just does, it's not gonna it's not gonna hit that 10th spot banger that we've tried to you know yeah fill the spot with for the past two seasons i respect the wheel of chaos but i've got a veto and i'm gonna use it 
Oh, fair enough. You know, maybe maybe Max would have been an episode, you know, eight or nine, but we got it. We got to get serious now for the last one. Send it out um, on on the Viking ship and and make it make it a very dog movie. <laughs> um, what do we got okay. here? Okay, there is one thing here that does not look like the others. Cujo and Island man's dogs. best friend. Oh, cool. yeah, and Highland dogs. <laughs> okay, so we have Old Yeller, classic Golden Age fucking dog movie. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna remove that. Man's best friend, dog horror movie looks fucking ridiculous. Definitely keeping that one for me. Homeward Bound. It has dogs and cats in it, but I think that's definitely a movie with like minimal humans. So I think I'm going to keep that. Isle of Dogs is like a bunch of dogs in it. I think I'm going to keep that. Cujo's not a rabbit ass dog. Yeah. I mean, with a Stephen King and then the Shaggy D.A., which I think is about a human who gets turned into a dog. Oh, come on. Ryan, you should have exercised your veto. I did. You wanted something to go. Well, the issue is the Shaggy DA. It's going to be a yeah. very me-heavy episode, and I'm not up to the plate. <laughs> we okay. ended with a, a legal drama on Matthew McConaughey. I don't, want, again. I don't want a, another sequel. That'll be three sequels in a row. The Shaggy <laughs> DA is like a sequel of the Shaggy Dog. <laughs> Oh, where instead of he's getting turned into like a normal person, the dog or the person gets turned into a dog lawyer. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. You know what? You know what, Ryan? I think you're right. I'm, that Shaggy DA is not dog enough. Okay. Dog on it. It's about a human, fucking human, who turns into a dog. It's out. Yeah. It's out. Thank there. you. You owe me. Thank you. Okay. So now we're down to five, okay? And I think any of these five movies, I think, are definitely about a dog. Cujo, I, I looked it up, has at least, like, three hours. <laughs> I think it's three yeah. hours long. <laughs> so uh, we've got Cujo, Old Yeller, uh, Man's Best Friend, Isle of Dogs, Homeward Bound. Definitely all dog movies. If we, if we pick any of these, there is no question. What do you guys think? Any ads? Um, would you guys be mad if we did a dog's purpose? Yes. I'm not doing some Christian propaganda movie. Okay. Okay. I didn't want to either. Just wanted to float that out. All right. What about Underdog or the Shaggy Dog, the first one? No. Okay. Okay. Totally fine. Last suggestion, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> the rise of Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> wait, let me just... Wait, is that is that where... Let me just make sure it's not... It's like George Lopez and a bunch of people voicing dogs. With okay. the mouths move and stuff. Yeah, and those movies are great usually. All right, let's let's do five, okay? You know what? We really we really trimmed a lot of stuff out here, guys. That's why I'm just kind of like, do we need more picks? But you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. One spin, whatever it lands on, we do for for episode ten. Mm-hmm. One ready? spin. Once more yeah. around the wheel for the doghouse, and then we find the key, I guess, and then we go to the next room. Yeah, they dig through the, all the dookies, and we found the key that the dog ate. That was a lot of dookies. <laughs> a lot of dookies. <laughs> and here we go! Oh my god. <gasps> oh, okay! Oh, wow! Okay. Okay, Old Yeller. And We're doing Old Yeller, folks. I think it's an appropriate pick um, because, you know, this is this is like the dog movie that everyone thinks about. When you think about dog movies, I think it's Old Yeller. Um, right. Iconic movie. I've actually like never seen this movie for, for real. Like I've only seen like clips. Um, so I think just for, you know, just for our, our cultural dog knowledge, it'd be good to watch. Have you guys have you guys seen Old Yeller yourselves? When I was a kid and then I promptly had nightmares. 
Excellent. Okay. And this is going to be a serious dog movie. Which is kind of hard to come by. Huh. Okay. Well, we'll be ending strong with Old Yeller, folks. Uh, we hope you'll join us uh, for episode 10 of season three. Um, and then we're heading into our third State of the Podcast episode special. Um, where we will be uh, battle royaling with our new revamped voting system from season two uh, for season four. Can you believe that? We made uh, it. I can't believe the studio hasn't canceled us yet. <laughs> And we forgot to say it last episode, but we are on, uh, right now, we're on episode 31. Uh, we've made it that far. That's a Thank big achievement. Guys. A lot of podcasts that are kind of self-made, like we are, uh, you know, they only run yeah. 20 episodes, 15 episodes before they burn out. And I, I think the trains are going. Like, I want to hit 50. I want to keep going. We're approaching. Yeah. We will have, um, I, this will, we won't have talked about it in episode. Um, yeah. We'll sometime in the middle of this past season have reached a thousand downloads. And yeah, that's pretty cool. It's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for for listening and, and supporting us. It, it you know, it's we're super psyched uh, to hear that people enjoy the show. And uh, we love your comments. And just when you guys bring up the show, it's like, yes, like, you know, it's it's super exciting for us. Um, it, it, the most fun thing uh, to me is that uh, people watch more than once, it seems. Yeah. yeah, which is a huge success that we That's... don't immediately turn them off by us like just randomly rambling about stupid movies. So <laughs> th that's great. And an unexpected side effect, and this has actually been happening since the beginning, is that <laughs> Matthew McConaughey and Ben Affleck and dogs come up in surprising amount. <laughs> come up in normal conversations a lot like i was at lunch with somebody the other day and they brought up airbud and i was like oh yes Airbud, let's talk about this for like 10 minutes and i mean they checked out obviously yes but it's that's what i like the most is that uh this is hap this is having some sort of like i think people like people want to hear about this kind of stuff i mean they watch movies why not listen to people idiots i guess talk about them <laughs> absolutely man and um it's, it's given us an opportunity to explore, uh, you know, movies like Air Bud or Matthew McConaughey movies to an extent that I think a normal person shouldn't. Um, so when it comes up in regular yeah. conversation, I become ravenously excited um, and then just start spitting out Air Bud facts. And like, people are alarmed. That, like Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are in the news again. Oh, like, God. New yes. York Times or something did some article where it was like, Ben and J-Lo back together and we can't get enough. And I'm like, yeah, we've known since day one. We were on this train. <laughs> we've been tracking Ben's every move for the past year. You're behind months. the curve, New York Times. Get with us. So we are the preeminent experts of uh, those two actors and apparently dogs. Um, so thank you guys so far for, for joining us. We hope you'll still join us um, while we finish off this season. And whatever we may pick for season four, who knows what road we'll go down next. Yeah, um, to make it wild, I will tell you that. <laughs> I will tell you, like, I am going way left field for my recommendations for next uh, season. Okay, no spoilers, Ryan. No spoilers, man. No. Um, well, follow us, guys, on uh, on all the all all the social medias: Instagram at Good Boys Gone Bland, uh, Twitter at GB No at GBGB Podcast. Um, mm -hmm. Follow us on YouTube. We don't really say this, but we have a YouTube channel up and running. Um, follow us at Good Boys Gone Bland. If you want to see our faces um, and see us do this, 
They're uh, beautiful. You know, have at it. Have at it. A lot of people watch podcasts on YouTube. I don't do this, but I think I heard it's pretty common. So uh, we're on there now. Check us out. Um, yeah, throw us a subscribe. Throw us a review. Uh, tell your vet That's about it. Shit. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Also, if uh, we've come back from the dead, you should probably yeah. tell the vet that also. Yeah. Yeah. That's tell actually that's a plot point in Pet Cemetery 2, by the way, for those of you who have not seen it. Yep. Yeah. Tell um tell your cemetery guy about about us. Your grave digger. Grave digger. Uh, is there any other? Guys, I don't think I've learned anything about docs this season. <laughs> no. I, I, well, no, actually, I've learned don't bring them back from the dead. <laughs> yeah. What? You see a guy walking his dog or see anyone walking their dogs? Watch, tell them to check out the podcast. Yeah. Hey, you like dogs? We got a whole podcast season about you like dags. You like dags? I got, got a bunch of dags. But you like dags? You saying bags? What are you? What are you <laughs> oh, dogs. Uh, thank you, guys. Any words of wisdom to, to send us out on, guys? Bark, bark, bark. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>